really glad this is what what's this series this series is what you got to say it with a little more enthusiasm this series is about what right we're passionate people and we're going to be passionate about god and about life and so if you grew up in a church where nobody said anything welcome to our world because <laughs> we say lots of stuff okay <laughs> So, anyway, we're going to pray and we're going to get started. Lord, we thank you to, for this day, God. We thank you for these precious people that you love so much that have gathered here today, God. And, Lord, we just thank you for the word that's going to go forth. You've been so faithful to promise us that anytime we give our attention to your word, that you will speak to us and that you will bring life to us. And, God, so I just pray for the situations that people are facing right now, situations that seem hopeless, situations that seem like they're never going to move, certain circumstances that seem like they just won't go away, God. And we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for freedom that's coming in this place God we thank you that you have said that the name of Jesus is higher than every name and so that whatever they are facing that you are higher than and we Lord we thank you that even as the message is going forth they're going to be some creative solutions some downloads that they're going to be some adjustments in our soul that are going to give us new perspective and help us to see life the way you see life so that we can have the life that you called us to have in Jesus name amen Man, listen, I just got to tell you, I'm, I'm sure those of you who were here the last series, the last semester of the series, what you know about me is that you know I am like super passionate about the word. Like I love the word. And I love the word because the word changed my life. And, and I think that it's so important, Pastor Edward and I were having this conversation, like there's so many people who've accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, but it's never translated for them that accepting Jesus should translate into victory in your living. And so what happens is that people accept Jesus and then they live defeated in their relationships and in their finances and their health and they keep waiting to get to heaven for something better to happen. But Jesus made us a promise. He said, when you pray, pray this, our Father, uh, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, which means you don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience better. But here's the thing. Your relationship with God is a lot like a homeowner's insurance policy. Um, We have a friend who's an insurance adjuster, and he goes out whenever there are storms, hurricanes, tornadoes. He goes out and he does that kind of work. And he talks to us about how many times there are people who have had policies for years, and they don't know things that like in a hurricane or a tornado that the food that was in your refrigerator, that they have to reimburse you for that. And when you don't know something, depending on who you're working with, they may not tell you that that's one of your benefits. This Bible is filled with promises that God has made to you. But if you don't know it, you will allow stuff to happen to you in your life and you will make the mistake of thinking that God is doing it to you. And you just don't know that you have promises that you can enforce. So we talked about earlier, a couple of weeks ago, how man was born into sin. God created the earth, and and God created the earth. He put Adam in the earth. He made Adam in his image, and Adam in his authority gave all of his power to the devil when he chose to agree with the devil. You say, what does that have to do with me? We're all born of Adam. And so it's like this. It's kind of like this. You say, um, well, we grew up poor. Why did you grow up poor? You grew up poor because your family was poor. You were born into it. 
And that's how humanity is born into sin. You're born into sin because the father of humanity um, partook in sin. And then, but God could have just left us the way we were, but instead he had a plan. The Bible says that he had that plan before the foundation of the earth. And that plan was that Jesus would come to restore us. Now, sometimes people say, they say, well, why did God allow Adam to sin? Because if God takes away your choice, then you can't be in relationship with him. You can only be a slave to him. So God gives humanity choice. And he says, choose ye this day, and if you don't know which way to choose, choose the way that I'm saying because my way is best. Now, the challenge for a lot of people is that those of you who got saved or those of you who grew up in church, you grew up in a lot of fear-based church. You you, you heard stories like this that says, um, if you don't live right, you go bust hell wide open. And, and, and so in, at the altar call, when we should have been saying, hey, Jesus loves you so much, that thing you're struggling with, come and stop trying to fix it yourself. Let Jesus help you. What people were doing is that they were coming to the altar because they were afraid. And so then what ends up happening is that you end, your, you end up living your life trying to decide who you should be more afraid of, God or the devil. And here's the problem with getting saved in fear. It doesn't keep you living right. Anybody, can anybody admit that they got saved in some fear? Mm-hmm. Did it keep you living right? It doesn't keep you living right. And in fact, what happens, it makes you so sin conscious that for many of you at some point, what you said was, I can't do this right, no way. I might as well do what I want to do anyway. I mean, I'm going to hell anyway, right? Jesus just don't come back right now. <laughs> and so, but the Bible, we learned in the last series, the last message I taught, that God came, God sent Jesus. Why? Why did he send Jesus? For God so, for God so, for God so. Not for God so loved the perfect people. Not for God so loved the ones who get it right the first time. Not for God so loved the ones who keep all the rules. But for God so loved who? The whole world. Are you in the world? Say, God loves me. Isn't that good news to know that God loves you? Let me take it further. God loves you flaws and all. He loves you just like you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. He'll take you just like you are, bad attitude, stingy, selfish, messy, always in drama, whatever your issue is, he will take you just like that. But he loves you so much, he won't let you stay that way. Aren't you glad that God won't let you stay that way? That ought to be exciting to you. And so what we're trying to breed in your hearts, I was saying to Pastor Elwin, we don't really want to start a church as much as we want to start a movement. We want to start a movement of people who know they should live free. We want to start a movement of people that aren't going to church pretending to be one thing and living in hell the rest of the week. We want to start a movement of people where we teach you how to go in this word, see what God is saying, how to change your thinking, and how to line up your life. And we want to start a movement of people that when you blow it and you will blow it, tell your neighbor, say you will blow it that you don't run away, that you stay connected. People are going to mess up. 
We want this to be a church. You got to decide right now. You can't leave church because they didn't speak or they sat in your seat or you don't think they like white people or they don't like black people or we don't want no Hispanics here. You got to say, I'm going to stick so I can grow. I'm going to stick so I can grow because everybody needs a family that champions them. You need a family that says, hey, we love you, but you can't stay. You can't keep doing that. And we'll walk with you, but you're better than that. And so that's what we're trying to create here. And a church gathering on Sunday is a byproduct of it. But we want to gather on Sunday, but we want you to live free Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we want you to begin to live so free that when you invite people, they can't help but come because they know how bound you used to be. And they're like, how in the world did this happen? And you're like, let me show you what Jesus is doing in my life. We want to totally eradicate the language that says come to Jesus so you don't go to hell. No, come to Jesus so you can get out the hell that you already in. And so this series is about breaking free. Say, God wants me free. free. There's a scripture in Ephesians 3.20, and it's so interesting to me because I've been preaching for 14 years. And when I'm preaching, like, I'm trying to decide, like, literally, when I'm before you, I want to teach you everything I've learned in 14 years. I do. I just I want to be like, here's what you need to know. And you need to do this and you need to do this. But I also want to I have to remember that not everybody even knows where Ephesians is in the Bible. But see, we're a teaching church, so you're going to have to help us with that. That means that sometime during the week, you'll have to look at your table of contents and find out where stuff is. Because we don't want you to just take our word. We want you to see this in the word for yourself. So there are going to be some times that we're going to come in here and we're going to give you 30 scriptures and you're just going to have to write them down. We don't just want you to write them down. We expect you to look at them later in the week. And there are going to be other times where there may just be three scriptures that we really drill in to try to prove a point to establish your thinking. Because remember, Romans taught us that if we're going to change our life, we have to change our thinking. How many of you know that to be true? If you're going to change your life, you've got to change your thinking. And the only way to change your thinking is that you've got to get new information. If you, if you can't keep thinking about the same old thing and think that you're going to get a different result. You're not. Amen. So we're going to talk about living free, and, 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 and we're, we're just kind of walking you through our process. And, and what I'll tell you is that each week's service may look a little different because we got 14 years that we're trying to ooze into you and catch you up because we just want people to be free. Like one of the most frustrating things to me in the world is to see somebody who knows Jesus, but they live defeated. I'm like, Jesus is the ultimate victory. How can you live defeated? Because you don't know that you've already been set free. So we're going to give you some scriptures. I'm going to tell you this. Oh, no. Here's how I want to do it. How many of you are bold enough to admit in front of this new group of family that you just met? This is kind of like your family reunion, those cousins that you didn't know you had. Look around. These are your cousins. These are your people right here, Okay. So how many of you are willing to admit in front of your new cousins that um, there are some things in your life you need to be free from? That's good. Okay, so I'm telling you up front that before the service is over today, I'm going to give you an opportunity for us to pray with you. I'm I'm telling you that now so you you don't feel like we snuck it up on you, okay, so you can keep working through it the whole time. Now, I don't know how you grew up, but I'm going to tell you a little bit how I grew up. I grew up Baptist and, and, and real traditional Baptist, okay? 
I grew up in the kind of church where um, when people got put on the sick and shut-in list, they died. They didn't come out. See, some of you didn't even go to church. You, you didn't know what a sick and shut-in list is. It's when the people in your church, they get sick and they put their name on the back of the program. Well, in my church, when your name went on the back of the program, that was pretty much it for you. You was going to spend the next 15 years on the back of the program or you would go die. So I didn't grow up in a church that saw people be healed and saw people be delivered and saw people be set free. But I did grow up in a church with people who really loved Jesus. And that was my first understanding that you could come to church. And just because you come to church, you know, everybody who comes to church, they aren't faking. They aren't playing. They just don't know how to get free because they don't know that freedom is available. Right? So let me also say this. They're going to be people, your new cousins, these new people that you have relationships with. And sometimes you're going to see them on social media or sometimes you're going to see them out. And they're going to be doing things that don't look like what they've been taught. And you need to remember that there are some things that you're going to master quicker than other people. And that when they when you see your cousins out and they Facebook pages tripping and they're out tripping, you need to remind them in love that they're better than that. And you need to ask them, can I help you? Is there some way that I can walk with you? Because that's how family is built, that we work together. Amen. Amen? So anyway, some people admit that there are some things you want to get free from. So I'm telling you up front, we're going to give you an opportunity a little bit back by my, about my background. Um, when I first went to church with Pastor Elwin, he grew up Church of God in Christ. And um, Church of God in Christ, if you don't know what that is, if you are... Um, White, that is the equivalent of assembly of God a little bit on steroids, right? So the, uh, so the first time I went to his church and I saw these people jumping up and down and running around and going up and getting healed and, and, they, and the pastor prayed for somebody and they fell down on the floor, I just kept saying to Jesus, if you just get me out of here, if you would just get me out of here, I will never, ever come back again because they are nuts. And I believe that for a long time. And then I began to read in the Bible, it says that they shall lay hands on the sick and they should recover. And then I understood that who was nuts was the people who didn't believe that people should get healed in church. That it wasn't them. So I'm going to tell you, we're going to pray for people. It is never my goal to push anybody down. Not, Not my goal. I'm not into that. If I wanted to push people down, I'd just fight. I wouldn't just be out here just having people come stand up here and say, But I'm telling you that when God wants to do something in your life, that sometimes, for whatever reason, people do go out under the power of God. And I don't want you to be so afraid of what happens if you fall down that you miss the opportunity to get free. Because here's how deliverance works. Sometimes people get delivered immediately, instantaneously. I used to have an anger issue. We went to this service. The pastor said he wanted to baptize people, so he went and got a swimming pool in a hotel, baptized everybody. He said, here's the reality of it is, when I pray for you, you're going to go under the water, and when you come up out of the water, you're never going to struggle with that again. To this day, I have never, ever, ever struggled with anger in that same way again. It was instantaneous. There were other things that I had to learn how to walk out. Like forgiveness, I have to remind myself I have forgiven you and I'm not going to go back in that place with you again. So what I'm saying to you is that for some of you, you may get some things and there may be immediate instantaneous deliverance. That spirit of depression may break completely off of you and never come back. That addiction for sugar, it may go and never come back. Some of it, it just may be that now you get this touch from God that gives you the strength to walk it out. But we celebrate all healing and all deliverance no matter how it comes. Right? 
So we just want to be open to what God does, however he does it. Now that we've said that, we can get into the teaching this morning. All right. So Numbers 23 and 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23 and 19, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. It means that if you read something in this Bible, it is true. I told you guys the other week, if you don't decide this is truth, it's going to be difficult for you to walk in victory with God. Because you're going to always be wavering over what you got to decide this is truth. And remember, if you believe you're going to heaven, you might as well believe the rest of this stuff. Right? Let's look at 1 John 3 and 8. And see, as we get better, we're going to have technology, and then we'll have a little board so you'll be able to pull it up. But you can use your phone for stuff like that, 1 John 3 and 8. 1 John is in the back of the Bible. It is just before Revelations. It is not John, one of the Gospels. Misty said to me the other day, she said, I, was, I can't believe all this stuff you know in the Bible. I'm like, I've only been doing this for like 15 years. I ought to know something by now. Like, if I don't know where the books in the Bible are, I've done something really, really wrong. 1 John 3 and 8. It says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So it tells you why Jesus came. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That is whatever is in your life that would not be in your life if sin didn't exist. Hear me. People don't get sick because they sin people get sick because sin exists you understand and so when you know that jesus died to destroy the work of sickness you won't look at somebody and say they don't deserve to get healed because they didn't eat right because you'll understand that people only even eat wrong because of sin because gluttony wouldn't even exist if there wasn't sin So God is trying to get us back to a place where we think like he thinks so that when sin shows up, we go, no, your effects don't have the right to be here. So 1 John says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. And then 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 was a scripture that we looked at the other week. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is new. Say, I'm new. new. Say it with some enthusiasm. You don't always feel new, but the Bible says you're new. Now, here's this opportunity where you get to decide. Do you believe what you feel or do you believe what God said? But, Pastor Sean, you don't know how long I've been struggling to stop cursing. Do you believe what the Bible says or do you believe your experience? The challenge for most people is that they water down the word to match their experience instead of demanding that their experience match the word. If any man be in Christ, he's new. Say, I'm new. new. Now, here's the problem, because Pastor Edwin showed us this the other week, that you're made up of a a spirit, soul, and a body. The problem is, is that God made your spirit new, but your soul remembers who you used to be. And so your soul still identifies with whatever it used to do. It's, it doesn't wipe away all of the experiences. If you experience rejection, getting saved doesn't wash rejection off of your memory card so that you no longer know what rejection feels like. So then you use the word to reset your mind. Basically, the word, it's like a reset tool. It's like here's the junk that's been put in. We're going to use the word to wash that junk out. And so it's a process. Walking with God is a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
it is a marathon. You're going to always be growing. You're going to always be becoming. You're going to master one thing, and then you're going to see another thing that you need to master. You're going to master one thing at one level, and then you're going to see another level that you need to master it at. This is a walk with God. We're walking. We're growing. We're becoming. It's a journey. It's a never-ending journey. But one of his promises is, he says, I will perfect that which concerns you. Anybody been walking with God long enough to see some things change in your life? It's a journey, right? It doesn't all change at once. It's a journey. But you have to begin. What takes the, what determines the progress you make on the journey? What you see, what you think, what you believe. All right. The question really here is do you believe God that you can be free? Have you been in bad relationships so long? that you don't even believe good ones are possible anymore? Have you had a health crisis so long that you don't even believe healing is possible anymore? Have you struggled with your finances so long or struggled with depression and anger and low self-esteem so long that you now hear a word says that you, that you can be free and you think it means everybody but you? Tell your neighbor, say it means you too. It means you too. It means you. It means me too. Do you know that when God makes a promise to you to be free, he already knows all your history? Come on, see, like, like, walk yourself through this. Like, the Bible says that God wrote the end from the beginning. It means that he used backwards design. He went to the end. He looked at the end of what he desired it to be, and he walked it back. So he already knows what it is. You don't have a problem that takes God unaware. You don't have a struggle. You don't have a situation. He knows how crazy you grew up. He knows the mistakes that you made. He knows the deep places that you hurt in your heart that you can't even articulate yet. He knows that, and still he says to you, but I made you free. And the question is, will you choose to believe that you can be free and take the journey to freedom? Amen. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Second Corinthians 10 through through five, it says, um, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So um, has anybody seen Shrek? The dragon, the, the, you seen Shrek? Okay, that is an example of a stronghold. He kept the princess in a fortress. So that nothing could get in and nothing could get out except what he could control. So what the enemy does is that he uses thoughts to build a prison for you. He uses thoughts about poverty. He uses thoughts about depression. He uses thoughts about it to make you believe there is no path of freedom. So then you start making home in a prison. And some of you, you've made home in a prison. You're managing sickness instead of trying to be free from sickness. You're managing depression. You're managing bad relationships. And God never called you to manage that. He called you to step up in him and walk in victory out of it. And you say, well, Pastor Sean, how am I going to do that? I can do all things through Christ. Through who? Through Christ who strengthens me. So I don't need enough power to be free because I have the one who has enough power to get me free. Here's the difference between the gospel and secular humanism. This ain't about your strength. 
(laughs) This ain't about how much willpower and self-control and discipline you have. This is about the greater one that lives on the inside of you that gives you the ability to be free. And I'm going to challenge you here. Any area in your life that you keep seeing bondage is because you keep trying to work yourself free. You keep trying to manage it. You keep trying to come up with a plan. Even when God gives you a plan for freedom, you have to turn around and say, now help me walk it out. Now help me walk it out. Give me the strength to walk it out. We're not not, not talking about self-control. We're talking about God control. And we're not talking about managing. We're talking about breaking free. And there's a difference between managing something and being free from something. And God isn't into pain management. He's into freedom. God is not into pain management. He is into freedom. God wants you free. Say, God wants me free. Amen. God wants me free. So the Bible says that he wants to tear down these strongholds. And let me help you. I don't care how good you live in. You have some junk in your mind that God didn't put there. You have some things about the way you think about yourself, the way you think about other people, the way you think about life. You have some things that God didn't put there. And that's why you got to let this word wash over you because there will be something that you grew up with that seems perfectly normal to you, but it goes against the word. I'll give you an example of one. Who heard that you got to grow up and work hard to be successful? That's only part of the story because the other part of the story is that God will favor you and open doors for you to take you places that your qualifications can't. So God will say to you to apply for a job that you don't qualify for. And you'll tell God that you can't apply for the job because you're so tied to work hard and make sure you got the qualifications. But you don't know that God already had somebody that he had put in HR that's waiting on your resume that as soon as you do it, that he's going to work it out for you. So you got to make sure that whatever it is that you think is actually what God is saying. I'm not telling you not to work. I'm telling you that it's never just about you when you're a believer. It is never just about you when you are a believer because God will raise up someone to help you do what you can't do. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. Say, I am victorious. And so we got to let the word tear down this wrong thinking. We got to let, hear me. I have a master's in psychology. I understand that people have depression because of chemical imbalances. But I also understand that there are natural things you can do in order to shift chemical imbalances. The first thing you got to stop doing is talking about how depressed you are because you have what you say. And so the more you say how depressed you are, the more depressed you become. The second thing is that if you're a person who struggles with depression, you got to move. You've got to move your body physically. You've got to move. Why? Because God designed your body to release happy drugs. But if you don't move, if all you do is sit in front of the TV and say, whoa, it's me, or lay in the bed, let me help you. If you struggle with depression, stop drinking wine. Do you not know that wine is a depressant? You already depressed. It's Friday night. You turned the lights down, and you're drinking wine, and now you don't know why you're crying listening to Chardonnay. you got to have a plan. Because this gospel ain't just super, it's also natural. 
You struggle with lust. If you, because if you know, you gotta be an old enough kid to know what lust means, right? You struggle with lust. You know you struggle with lust. Why do you go on a date and ride together? You already know what's gonna happen. Meet there and leave the way you came. But don't say, Lord, you know what? I've really been struggling and I keep ending up in these bad relationships and I keep ending up, uh, I, I, you know, I keep giving myself to somebody and then they walk away and leave me. And then when it's time to go on a date, I'm just going to be honest with you ladies, you shave your legs. That's always an indication of what you intend to happen. You shave your leave your legs hairy. You know that, that, that cute underwear from um, um, Victoria's Secrets? Don't wear that. Don't wear that. Right, get you some Hanes. With the big flowers on it. You know, the kind of stuff you don't want nobody to see. There are things you can do. And then you don't say, you know what we going to do? We're going to go back to your house and we're going to watch a movie with the lights turned off. Sitting on a blanket. And then in the morning say, oops, I don't know what happened. No, there are natural things you do to get free. I want to be free financially. Why are you in the mall every time you get paid? You don't want to get free financially in the mall every time you get paid. Well, it was on sale. Well, but the problem is you didn't have zero when you started. So it doesn't matter if it was on sale unless it was free. You didn't qualify. You need to get out of there. Amen. So you got to make a decision that you're going to believe God. You got to make a decision you're going to believe God. I'm going to give you some steps. We're going to do scripture and we're going to pray for people and I'm going to be through. Number one, here's the first thing you got to do if you're going to be free. You must decide that God has freed you from sin and that you are new. You must decide to believe it. You must decide to believe it. Now, let me parenthetically insert right here that when you make a decision to be free and you have these people in your life who can only talk to you about who you used to be, you already know they can't go on your journey with you. They can't travel with you. If I say that I decide that I want to be a vegan and every time I go out with you, you put meat on my plate. How much you know you want this chicken? You know you want this. You can't journey with me. Because people who love you, once you have identified that you have a struggle that you want to master, they want to support you. They don't even, listen, you can tell people who really love you. Um, even if they don't want to be free, they want you to be free because you want to be free. They're not trying to stop you and keep you there with them. So some of you, in your decision, you're going to have to redefine some relationships. You can't decide that you want to be free in a rela- from picking bad dudes or bad girls, people who always leave you crying and whatever it is. And then you're constantly hanging with your friends who still have the same bad picker. So together, the three of us, we got bad picker and we go pick somebody a man. We're not. We go pick somebody a mess. That's what we're going to pick. So there are things that you have to do naturally in order to be free. You have to make a decision to believe that you are free. Who's decided that they're free? So here's the great thing about deciding that you're free. When you decide that you're free, then everything else is just a walk. Everything else is just a part of the walk. Think about what happens if you play sports, if you knew you were going to beat the team before you played them. You show up different when you already know you're going to beat the team. You, you understand you're just going through the four quarters as a formality because the victory is already yours. You're just going through your trouble as a formality. The victory is already yours unless you lay down in the trouble. 
Number two, you have to begin to visualize yourself free. You have to begin to visualize yourself free. I use, try to use my own example. Anybody who knows me, um, I was a fighter growing up. Um, I hit people. That's what I did. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those girls who does a whole lot of back and forth kind of talking. Like you talking, I'm like, hey, you should stop talking to me. You, the second time, I'm going to hit you in the face because I don't really have much time. So when I decided I wanted to stop fighting, no, it's just the truth because you got to know yourself because part of it is that you got to know yourself. There are some people that no matter what somebody says to you, your position is going to be retreat. My position is I'm not really a retreat girl. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a stalk the stalker kind of girl, Okay. You stalking me, now I'm watching you while you watching me. That's what kind of person I am. So when I decided that I wasn't going to be a fighter, I began to visualize what I would do if someone said stuff to me that I would normally hit them for. I had to visualize it so I could respond appropriately. For some of you, it's on the other end. You let people treat you any kind of way. You need to begin to visualize saying, excuse me, I need to let you know that's not acceptable. And if you want to be in my life, you can't treat me that way. And I want to give you fair warning. First of all, I want to apologize to you for allowing you to think that it was acceptable to treat me this way. And I know that it's going to take you a little while because I've allowed you to do this for so much. So we're on a 90-day trial period. And if in that 90 days you cannot improve how you treat me, you are choosing to terminate yourself from my life. There you go. But see, some of you, some of you on your face, you're like, you would say that to some? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to begin to see yourself free. You have to visualize it. You love sugar? Go to dinner in your mind. They come when they say, can we interest you in some dessert? See yourself saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, no. You get smart. You tell them, don't bring me the dessert menu. I'm not eating sugar. You need to exercise. See yourself walking first. Don't try to run a whole marathon first. Just, just, just see yourself. Can you just see yourself walk a mile every day? See yourself. Because what you visualize about yourself, you will eventually become. I'm going to prove it to you in the negative. Do you know that people don't just randomly break up? They don't. People do not randomly break up. If you have ever broken up with somebody, you broke up with them in your mind lots of times before you finally said it. What happened is, is that you meditated on it long enough and the right scenario produced itself and you went, that's enough. They trying to talk to you, but they don't understand you already broke up with them 25 times. So like this right here, <laughs> they're like, can we get counseling? Can we talk? Uh-uh, I'm done with this. So if you can do it in a negative, you can do it in a positive. You believe in God for a new job. See yourself in the interview and them being impressed by you and then do the stuff it takes for them to be impressed. Amen. So you got to see yourself free. You have an addiction of any kind. You have to see yourself being free. You have to see yourself not being satisfied with what used to satisfy you. Some people are addicted to drama. That's why you always in it. You have to see yourself being free from that. That you don't always need to be caught up in what he said, she said, they said, we did. All right. Three, 
Get rid of thoughts, things, and people that give sin access to you. Get rid of thoughts, things, and people that give sin access to you. I'll give you an example. You broke up with Boo because it didn't work. It didn't work the whole time you was in the relationship. You were upset more than you were happy the whole time you were in the relationship. You finally broke up with him, but you kept that teddy bear. (laughs) And you keep the teddy bear on the bed. And so when you're sad, you look at the teddy bear and you go, Boo was so wonderful. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Let's go back to why he gave you the teddy bear. And then before you know it, you texting, talking about what you doing. The bear miss you. Me and bear miss you. And then you're like, I don't know how I got here. Your thinking got you that way. When you break up with boo, okay, I know everybody's not like me. When I break up with people, I burn up all the stuff. I don't need your stuff. And the stuff that costs money, I sell it so I can get some money out of the situation. But I know everybody's not as non-emotional as I am. Pack that stuff up. Tape the box and put it away. But don't leave the bear on the bed. Get a bear to your goddaughter who live in California, but don't keep the bear on your bed. And then wonder, don't keep the picture of y'all together so it's the first thing you see when you go in the bathroom and wonder why you can't get free. Don't keep the rejection letter. You really wanted the job. They sent you a rejection letter. Don't keep that. So it's playing over and over and over again in your mind, reading it. Burn it up. Get rid of things and thoughts and people that give you access to sin. Listen here. You and your friends, you get lit together. You know what lit means if you get it. You know what I'm saying. If you get lit, you know what I mean. You and your friends get lit together. You can't want to be free from that, hanging with them in the environment where you do that. Tell about Jesus made me free. I'm strong. Now you're strong and lit. <laughs> you got to get rid of the things, the thoughts, and the people, because sometimes it's the people and the things that make the thoughts stay. Number three. You have to, number four, number four, you have to practice living free. You got to practice living free. You got to practice living free. You have to practice living free. How do you practice living free? What you think about, what you do, where you go. You want to be happily married? Don't hang out with people who dislike their spouse. Don't spend a bunch of time hanging with people who are not happily married. You know what happens? That stuff is contagious. Hang out with people who like being married. You want to be married? Don't hang out with your friends who always talk about it ain't no good men and ain't no good women. Find you some people who believe love still exists. Find you. I love this. This is what we say all the time. You really don't need but one person to spend your life with. You talking about ain't no good men. Ain't one in the whole earth. It's not one good man. If in your whole life is not one good man, I submit to you, your picker broke. 
picker. Your picker, the, the criteria with which you use to pick men, is broken. That's the reason you can't find one good man. Your picker, <laughs> your picker. I don't know what she think I said, but I just said picker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I just said picker, that's all. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Picker. Yes. <laughs> Number five. If you fail or fall, here are the things you must commit to. So under five, here are some points you got to commit to. When you fail or fall, number one, don't wallow in it. When you fail or fall, stop wallowing. I mean, it's one thing to fall in the pig pen. It's another thing to turn over in the mud and stay there. So don't wallow in it. Don't throw a pity party. And then get up and move in the right direction. For some of you, that's how depression gets in your life. Because you wallow in the bad mistakes. Let's go ahead and throw this out here. Everybody has made bad mistakes. Say that. Say, everybody, everybody. has made bad mistakes. Look at your neighbor and say, you too. And point to yourself and say, me too. Everybody's made bad mistakes. That's why Jesus came to fix your mistakes. So there's no point in wallowing in your mistakes, feeling sorry for, your, feeling sorry for yourself. Take your response, acknowledge it, and grow from it. We told one of our sons yesterday, we said, throw away the mistake, keep the lesson. That's how you live life. You throw away the mistake, you keep the lesson. What did I learn from this? All right, next one. Oh, this is going to be good. No, no, I want to use this one. Ask God to help you identify and break free from sin, addictions, and wrong thinking. Ask God. No, 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 that's the next number. Six. I know my note taker needs to know. Number six. Ask God to help you identify and break free from sin, addictions, and wrong thinking. It literally means that you have to say to God, the truth of it is, is that you know my heart better than I do. Help me see what's in me that keeps me in bondage. Help me identify the thing that's in me that keeps me in bondage. Let's go back to my example about women being having their picker broke, okay? Here's the challenge for a lot of women. Women keep trying to pick better men, but you don't fix your soul. And so you don't fix the part of you that feels rejected that allows you to associate with somebody that you know is wrong with you. So it doesn't matter how much you say you're going to pick better until you let God heal the brokenness in you that allows you to accept that you will keep finding it. So you have to say to God, God, why in the world do I eat the way I eat? God, why in the world? Tell me why I get so angry. What is this anger really a cover up for? Tell me why, no matter how many times somebody tells me I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm amazing, I keep allowing people to mistreat me. Tell me why I know I'm more qualified, but I'm afraid to go find another job. Deal with what's in my heart that keeps allowing me to repeat this cycle. 
Because once you know what's in your heart, here's my thing. Here's what I've learned about myself. I love sugar. Let me tell you why I love sugar. I grew up with a grandma who cooked something sweet for everything. If you made good grades, you got a cake. If you made a bad grade, you got some cookies. If you won, you got something. If you lost, you got something. So for me, sweets are a comfort food. I'm not a person who will say I'm stressed, but because I've studied myself, here's what my family now knows. If I go to the store and I buy the big thing of chocolate chip cookies and I just start slicing them and cooking them and eating them, I need an intervention. Because while I may not be able to articulate that I'm stressed, that behavior is saying that I am. So you got to give people permission to say, let me get them cookies from you. Like, no more. Stop buying them. And yes, sometimes you get mad at them and you want to kick them while they are talking to you. (laughs) But you know that they're for you. So you have to ask God to talk to you about, like, here's the truth of it. Any addiction, any addiction, marijuana, food, alcohol, whatever the drug is, any addiction is a cover-up for something else. And if you let God heal the hurt, you don't need the you don't need to medicate it anymore. You don't need if you let him heal the hurt, you don't need to meditate, medicate it. But here's the problem. Sometimes when people are hurting, when you build these walls to protect yourself, when you start to tear the walls down, you get afraid. And so then you don't go through the process of the healing. In fact, what God wants to do with most people is like physical therapy. Physical therapy hurts. Anybody who's ever been through physical therapy, it hurts, but it doesn't heal properly without it. And there are things in your life that if you don't let God dig up in there and talk to you about what's going on with you, you're going to keep repeating the cycle. Here's the thing. It may hurt, but trust that he got you. Doing it your way, you keep hurting longer. Doing it his way, it may be deep hurt, but when you're free, you're done. So you got to let him dig in your heart and you got to trust. Here's the thing I love about God. God speaks all our language. So God, Misty and I can have the same issue that needs to be fixed and our journey to freedom will look totally different because he knows how we grew up. He knows how we're wired. You have to trust that God knows how to walk you to freedom. You don't know how to walk yourself to freedom, but God knows how to walk you to freedom. And you can't run from the journey if you want to be free. See, I wish I could tell you that here that you get free by just jumping up, standing three times and saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. No, you make a decision when you jump up three times. Now you got to walk out being free, which requires deep digging in your heart. Why do I sabotage every relationship that I'm in? Is that I really don't believe that I deserve to be loved? Where did that come from? Oh, my dad left me. But my dad left me, so I learned very early, if you can't trust your dad to stay, how can you trust another man to stay? So even so I intentionally date men who I know won't stay, so I never have to deal with what happens if one stays, because I don't really think I deserve to have somebody stay. Oh, is that the kind of work we go do in church? That's the kind of work you need to do. Because all of this jumping and shouting and going and coming and nothing changing, that's for the birds. People tired of that. That's not what we're called to. We, we can't dance away the pain. 
You got to deal with the pain so you have something to dance about. Um, the next one, which is number seven. <laughs> well, I wrote and then I added some. Yes, what happened? Mm. Uh. Don't use your humanity as an excuse to stay bound. Don't use your humanity as an excuse to stay bound. You can always tell somebody who intend to stay bound. Well, I'm just, I'm just human. That's just an excuse. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a now a power on the inside of you to free you. You're not just human anymore. You're human who carries the presence of the almighty God. Don't use your humanity as an excuse. Everybody in my family angry. How's that working for your family? Somebody should, be, should, get, first, should get free first. We always been this way. How's that working? Is that working? You know it don't work. That's why you talk about it. That's why you be crying about it. That's why, when you, that's why you need all those things to medicate you so you don't acknowledge how bad it is. Just deal with it. You got to trust that whatever is broken in you, God can fix it. And you also have to trust that God is going to give you people who can see your brokenness and love you anyway. Oh, let's just make that one. See, that wasn't one. Let's make that one one. Ask God to give you people who can see your brokenness and love you anyway. To me, the biggest challenge for most people is that you don't have a safe place to get free. You live with so many masks. You learn to put those masks on as early as three and four years old so people wouldn't hurt you and they wouldn't dig deep and get those places. And now you need somebody who can see past the mask. They can see the mess. They can see the beauty and they're going to love you and stick with you anyway. But you know what I found about a lot of people is that a lot of people who when they encounter a ministry like this, they run. And here's why they run. We used to do intensive foster care. And one of the things, we, we were last stop foster care, meaning that when you came to our house, our house was the last stop before you went to jail. And one of the things that we found about those kids is because they had been rejected and kicked around so much that when someone didn't reject them and kick them around, they tried to destroy it. So they would do everything they could to get you to put them out. So I submit that some of you go do everything you can. To try to get us to stop loving you. We're not. We're going to love you anyway. We're going to love you no matter what. But you need people in your life who can help you walk to freedom. And then the last one, which is number what, Misty? Number nine. We don't have ten unless somebody makes up one. <laughs> See, that's the difference between me and Pastor Edwin. If this was Pastor Edwin, he would have his notes. You could have them when it was over. He would never stop at nine. He would make it an even number. He would have, you could get his notes when you got home. Don't ask for these notes. I made this, most of this up when I was standing here, okay? Listen. <laughs> number 10, number 9. <laughs> number 9. I do. I have a number 10 for you. I got a number 10. I just came up with a number 10. Number 9. Make freedom a priority. Number 10. Don't stop coming. I got you. Don't stop coming. Don't stop coming. It may get uncomfortable, but don't stop coming. Don't stop coming. Make Friday freedom a priority and don't stop coming. 
So here's what I want to do. I believe there are people in here, and you're like, you know what? Here's, you know, you don't have to know everything or how. I'm going to help you. If you got a God that you know everything about, you made him up. Like God is too big, too broad, too wide, too deep for you to know everything about him. So here's what we want to do. If you're like, there's something in here, and you know, I just want you guys to agree with me for freedom. I want to be free. I got this struggle in my life. I'm constantly struggling with it. You don't even have to say what it is. We're not going to even ask you what it is. But if you're like, okay, today's the day I want to start my freedom journey, I'd like you to stand up. I love it. 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 You know, it's still new, so you're trying to figure out what. Ralph, give us a little music. Here's what we're going to do. What I want to do. Chris, come stand right here. Pastor Elm, come stand right here. We're going to make it easy for you today. We're actually not going to lay hands on you today. We go high five you. We just go have a position of agreement to give you an opportunity. So those of you who are believing, all you got to do if you're on this side, you go by, Pastor Elm, go high five you. You walk by on this side, Christians go high five you. It simply means we agree with you. We agree for your freedom. We believe for your journey. So you want to be free? Start walking. This baby high five everybody. You provide the fire. He said he wants chest bump. And I'll provide the sacrifice. I have to get free. You provide the spirit. And then when you get back, before you sit down, before you sit down, I just want you to grab hands with the people next to you. If they holding a baby, put your hand around them or something. Let's pray right quick because we still got to do our, we're not done yet, good people. They got free. They was ready. Yeah. Father, we thank you for every person that's here. And Lord, we thank you for those who boldly stood up today and said, I'm ready to be free. And Lord, we thank you that you already know the tricks and stuff that the enemy is going to try to put in their place and try to make them stumble but i thank you that they've decided today that even if they stumble they won't stay down that they'll keep moving that they'll keep coming that they'll keep going and i thank you that they will see freedom in their lives i thank you that some of them will see freedom immediately god and they'll be able to tell that even right now they can tell that there is something that's broken and different in their life and then there are some that they'll walk it out. But we'll hear testimonies over this series of the freedom that has come to their life. And then we thank you that they won't keep their freedom to themselves. They'll share it with other people so other people can be free. And, Lord, we just thank you that this is just a place where freedom reigns and people are free and there's no bondage and no need to pretend. And we just thank you for the work of Jesus and we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>